A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. And the thing I'm going to be talking about today is the Leninist Red Terror of 1918, which obviously continues throughout the Civil War. There are a number of ways to think about the Red Terror. Um, historians and supporters of um, Lenin um, have a kind of a largely very generous way of uh, thinking about this. They suggest that Lenin never intended to carry on the Red Terror for a long period of time. It wasn't meant, intended to be a permanent feature of the state. What it was intended to do really was to create a classless society uh, by killing off um, the seemingly unnecessary or enemy classes, the bourgeoisie and the aristocracy, and then reducing um, everybody else to the, the level of work. And this was uh, Lenin discussed the idea of uh, you know, educating the country in socialism. Um, this is part of what he meant. Um, there was a whole move in the early years of the revolution to really proletarianize society. Um, the creation of things like work dormitories for men and women and creches for children uh, so that the uh, good new proletarians of Russia wouldn't need to have to worry about the uh, upbringing of their children and wouldn't be constrained by the bourgeois norms of the nuclear family. Um, these kinds of things were uh, pioneered with you know, relative uh, different levels of success. Uh, the idea that all workers now, or everybody now, works for the food that they get. The, um, there is precious little socialism introduced uh, after 19, October 1917. Instead, uh, more extreme versions of uh, the change in the relationship between state and the individual come to pass. Shoveling snow um, and doing other uh, essential defence work, digging ditches, helping to um, do whatever it took to mobilise the new Red Army. These were the kinds of things that you got fed for. There were different classifications as to um, who ate what, and the lack of food, the, the famines, the shortages, the disruption to the food system, serves Lenin immeasurably um, by being able to reclassify certain people as unnecessary eaters, particularly the bourgeoisie. Um, you got to reward your new working class supporters. Class, after October 1917, became the paradigm through which all things were perceived and interpreted. For example, uh, the Cheker, who I'll talk about more in a moment, the, the new um, revolutionary secret police, um, ex um, were explicitly there um, to, and the, the quote is, to bring about a revolutionary settlement of accounts, which really, is, uh, they are the, the force there to liquidate the bourgeoisie. So why all this um, insistence on wiping out an entire class of people? 
Well, if you go back to um, reading Marx and Lenin, the uh, bourgeoisie are the, the class of people that are meant to kind of be phased out anyway. They're meant to become historically relevant. The future belongs to the workers. Lenin decides... I mean, there's nothing explicitly uh, in Marx that says, kill them all. He does talk about the dictatorship of the proletariat, a term that's been you know, open to interpretation many, many times, and there are references to uh, authoritarian measures, to terror within there. Um, Lenin really takes that and clarifies it uh, as he sees it, puts it into a much clearer framework, uh, and says that there will be, at the end of his revolution, there will be fewer Russians but better ones. Unnecessary Russians will not continue in his new order. And in order to um, shape the, um, the debate, really, in Russia in 1918, in terms, of, uh, in terms of being class struggle, the bourgeoisie have to be presented as being the enemy class, the supporters of the whites, the um, counter-revolutionaries, the enemy within, the, um, the dangerous other. And as a result... Not only is there official violence, arrests, uh, detentions, executions against the bourgeoisie, but on a far greater scale, there's this huge unofficial violence, which is encouraged by Lenin's writings and things like Pravda, which really whip up a storm. He, ex he demands that the people expropriate the expropriators, steal from the thieves, um, and there is um, widespread violence in public places, often fatal, against the bourgeoisie. Um, the, it's essential, really, for, for things to be interpreted in, in this light in order for anything that the Bolsheviks are trying to do in Russia to make any kind of sense at all. Now, there is a wonderful quote from Martin Latsis, who was the chief of the Ukrainian Cheka, and when he's explaining the whys and wherefores of executing people or arresting people, he said, Do not look in the file of incriminating evidence to see whether or not the accused rose up against the Soviets with arms or words. Ask him instead to which class he belongs, what his background, his education, his profession is. These are the questions that will determine the fate of the accused. That is the meaning and the essence of red terror. The Bolsheviks believed they were these uh, sort of arch interpreters of history, um, that they had seen Marx as dialectic and they understood how history worked. And really the phase of history that they were entering might be bloody, but it was essential. Um, that they were the, the kind of the butchers of history. They had, or, or the surgeons, they had to chop off the, um, uh, the infected, the gangrenous flesh, that which was not productive, that did not strive, that was not um, able to uh, work for its, its daily bread. The idea being, obviously, that the, the great crime that the bourgeoisie were guilty of in Lenin's eyes was to capitalise on surplus labour, i.e. to pay a worker less than the uh, fruits of his labour generated and thus cream off the difference. Um, this was exploitation, this was capitalism, and this was the, the supreme evil in Lenin's eyes. Which is why later on, when it, Lenin um, is forced um, after the, in the aftermath of the Civil War in 1921 to introduce the new economic policy, saying that small-level capitalism had to be allowed to flourish in Russia and there was no, um, uh, in, no indication that it might not last for decades, even you know, a century. 
the Bolsheviks are, are horrified. You know, Lenin has seen the, the brutal economic realities of the situation rushes in, but the, um, the left of the Bolsheviks who fought this bloody civil war um, are wondering, really, well, what was all that for? Why have we gone to made all these sacrifices? But that's a, a, a story for later on. One of the first institutions that Lenin establishes in 1917 is the Cheka, the All-Russian Emergency Committee, Commission beg your pardon, for Combating Counter-Revolution and Sabotage. Um, it has, in theory, uh, some kind of um, official legal um, aspect to it. In theory, the Cheka were meant to do the arrests and take uh, the supposed guilty to revolutionary tribunals where their fate would be decided, normally um, exiled to one of the new labour camps soon to become part of the gulag system or um, execution. But the Cheka very quickly shift towards this um, paramilitary style of, uh, of operating and simply do the executions to speed up the process. They were led by a Polish aristocrat called Felix Zuzinski, um, a man who had uh, most of it spent most of his life in the Tsar's prisons. Um, supposedly, when you, you saw him with his you saw his torso, it was uh, um, um, crisscrossed with scars and whip marks, and so he had learned most of what he knew about violence and torture uh, from the uh, the jailers of the Tsarist uh, regime, and probably from the inmates as well. The Cheka was officially founded on December the 7th, 1917. It had a clear and um, ambiguous mandate, which was to liquidate to the root all the counter-revolutionary and sabotage activities and all attempts to them in all of Russia, to hand over counter-revolutionaries and saboteurs to the revolutionary tribunals, as previously mentioned, they very often took justice into their own hands, develop measures to combat them and relentlessly apply them in real-world applications. The Commission should only conduct a preliminary investigation. Initially, its powers are relatively slender. Things such as the confiscation of ration cards and the naming and shaming of counter-revolutionary enemies, that sort of thing was uh, what it was mandated to do. But it was almost inconceivable that that's where its actions would end. The uh, issue of food, um, food scarcity uh, in Russia at the time, was one that the Cheka was chiefly involved in. The uh, crime of speculation, i.e. hoarding food, uh, was seen through a, a Marxist paradigm as being the, the, the prime sin. One hoards food with the expectation that the price will go up, therefore you can sell to your hungry fellow proletarians and make a killing into the process. This uh, bumped you from being simply an ordinary criminal to being a political one. Of course, in uh, hungry times, what do people do? They store food because that's how people survive. But um, the uh, refusal to see it in such terms, to see it in overtly politicised terms, uh, led for many simply hungry Russians to face the full wrath of the Cheka. It took nearly a, a full year for the Cheka to go from being... Um, a, a threat, uh, an ominous threat um, to many bourgeois Russians to being um, a, a full-fledged instrument of terror. And it's the attempted assassination of Lenin in September 1918 by Fania Kaplan, a social revolutionary, 
who um, that that really gives the checker the opportunity they need. They can then uh, publicise the idea that there is a widespread counter-revolutionary conspiracy that. Uh, the bourgeoisie are in on it and they're attempting to overthrow the revolution and that's what this is all about and it gives them a mandate to really be let off the leash and this is really from this point on this is really where the red terror really explodes the civil war that has begun at the start of 1918 has been mounting um, and the uh, armies uh, of the white generals have been uh, accumulating in the uh, interior of russia and the combination of the two things the assassination and the development of the civil war really give uh, a massive mandate to the Cheka to um, take the Red Terror to the heights that I think Lenin probably had already already always envisaged um, and the thoroughness that uh, Zhuzhinsky wanted. By the first few months of 1918, the Cheka had gone nationwide. The uh, Soviets across Russia had been sent a telegram by Zhuzhinsky to um, order them to establish uh, commissions or checkers in their local area. And what oversight there had been of the checker, obviously, um, given the vast distances, the chaos, the war and the brutality uh, within Russia at that time, is certainly affected. Um, There are autonomous checker units doing uh, unspeakably violent things to people who have uh, almost no case to answer in terms of uh, the uh, criteria of the revolutionary tribunals across Russia. And the um, autonomy of the Cheka in Ekaterinburg is one of the reasons really why the the Tsar is executed. The conversation about what to do with the Tsar is had by telegram between Ekaterinburg and Moscow and uh, there is a, a high degree of autonomy at the Ekaterinburg end. Not that Lenin was particularly uh, upset, though Trotsky was keen on having the Tsar transported back to Moscow to put him on trial. And one theory, um, not my theory, I'll admit my, admit to that one, uh, if you read Orlando Feiger's Russia, A People's Tragedy, a very good overview of the whole situation, um, his theory is that um, Lenin really tried to spike... Trotsky's guns. He didn't want Trotsky to have the glory of putting the Tsar on trial for an eventual uh, firing squad and to appear to be the um, great figure of the revolution. Far better to have the Tsar shot uh, along with the rest of his family while they were out of the way uh, in the east part of Russia. Cheka come into their own during the Russian Civil War. They're a very useful tool for maintaining military discipline in the uh, by 1921 in the huge red army that has been um, built on mass conscription the uh, threat of executions of any retreating forces really do tend to motivate um, and focus the thoughts of um, Trotsky's troops during the civil war the other key role that they perform in the civil war as the administrators of terror isn't against the bourgeoisie but against the peasants the uh, requisitions, the period known as war communism, where Lenin essentially said that uh, all grain uh, could be requisitioned from farms, including even seed grain, thus resulting in famine. Uh, part of this process was to you know, break the peasantry and make the uh, eventual collectivization of the peasantry 
easier. But also Lenin looked upon the peasants as being a dangerous reactionary bunch. I think I've mentioned this one before in previous podcasts. The um, peasant revolution uh, during 1917 had happened largely independent of anything the Bolsheviks had done. And there had simply been an uprising and a mass killing of landlords in the countryside. So you have... Um, open anarchy in the countryside and new kind of new relationships new forms new structures um, really sort of emerging and once all the pieces have been thrown up in the countryside when things start to settle you get new uh, peasants with a sense of empowerment this is definitely something that you have to break if you're lenin and you have to um, um, use uh, the opportunities that the civil war gives you so the Cheka um, carried out waves of executions in the countryside when they found peasants hoarding grain. But during famines, this is the one thing that peasants definitely do. The um, crackdown uh, by the under-war communism prevented any kind of free trade, which would have seen, been seen as this kind of bourgeois speculation. Therefore, peasants with carts of food that went to the cities to sell at market um, in order to, you know, uh, make a bit of money for themselves so they could survive and feed the starving cities. These people are also seen as class enemies and class traitors, they're either executed or thrown into jail. It's um, a catastrophic idea by Lenin, and it is responsible not only for famine in the countryside, but for famine conditions in towns and cities as well. And it brings Russia to its knees. The civil war would probably have been won by the Bolsheviks much quicker had they actually used the peasantry and allowed the peasantry to work a market system to feed the towns and cities. But that's, uh, that's ideology for you. The um, senior Bolsheviks view themselves as these kind of midwives of history, giving birth, um, whether a birth pangs, you know, um, painful uh, convulsions um, to a new historical era, and they knew it's not going to be nice, it's not going to be, it's going to be bloody, but it'll be worth it, and they have this utopian vision that the, the end result will be so fantastic that all the suffering to get there is entirely justified. And it's probably um, some of the senior Czechists think the same things. Some of the more junior ones, perhaps not quite as educated, have a more simple view of what is going on. Um, this idea of bourgeois or bourgeois, as it becomes sort of bastardized in Russian, this means bad, means, you know, liar, cheat, crook, comman, enemy of the people. Very often to some of the Czechists, it probably meant Jew. Um, the one thing that the Russian Revolution certainly doesn't stamp out in Russia after 1917 is anti-Semitism, even though many of the leading Bolsheviks are Jews themselves. Um, so they have a, a, a simple... Um, a simple code that they, they live by, you find your enemies, you kill them. Um, and as far as the, the ideological toings and throwings go, well, you know, don't worry about those too much. But this is often the way with um, the, the kind of the, the, uh, the shock troops uh, of um, new dictatorships. Uh, probably a great deal of the, the brown shirts uh, under Hitler had never read Mein Kampf cover to cover. And if they'd have uh, managed to sort of pick out his argument, they might not have articulated it particularly. Themes like um, restoration of Germany and getting the Jews were you know, sim simple motifs. Anyway, I hope that's been useful. Now, if you're just starting back at college, at university or at school, 
uh, this autumn and you're doing the Russian Revolution, you can download a number of ebooks at www.explaininghistory.com. Firstly, you can get um, Chris Kostov's The Communist Century. You might also find useful my very own Explaining the Russian Revolution, a student's guide. Um, I've written two other ebooks on this very subject Russia's Struggle with Modernity and Stalin, the Five Year Plans and the Gulags. 1929 to 53. So there's a whole bunch of stuff there for you and look on our um, free stuff giveaways page. There's loads of downloadable resources there as well. Um, And uh, I'll catch you on the next podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.